Well, good morning. You guys did it. Two snowstorms in the same week. Can you believe it? Wow, crazy. Hey, welcome to Edinburgh Church. We're so glad you're here. My name is Tyler. I'm the director of student ministries, which means I get to hang out with the middle school and high school students. And if you're watching online, thank you. Maybe you're uh, with your family and they're like, hey, let's watch church this morning. And you're like, what? Uh, we just want to say welcome. We're glad that you guys are here. Um, and you guys just saw, and Pastor Josh just talked about it, I'm excited about this Philippian series about choosing joy. Because just like uh, Josh said, man, 2020, right? It's been a year. And 2021, uh, what, what if that was a year that we began to choose joy? And look at that. So I encourage you there. Uh, also, we had our Christmas Eve service uh, this past uh, Thursday. And uh, uh, God worked in some incredible ways, even in the midst of a pandemic and a snowstorm. Uh, God was working and in using uh, testimonies and, and, and the worship to uh, reach people. And so um, we just uh, were excited to hear more about that and what God was doing. But uh, uh, again, Merry Christmas. Uh, and so glad that you guys are here this morning. Let's pray and uh, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to, uh, to show up and show off. So, God, um, man, we, we need you. We need you every day. We need you. God, I pray that uh, as we talk about uh, um, this message, that these would be your words and not mine, because uh, yours are always better, uh, and these are from you. And so, God, I pray that you would be glorified through everything that is said here today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so one of the things that I've been doing the last couple years is uh, I've been spending some time praying and asking God to, to give me a word uh, for, the, for the new year. And so uh, you might be sitting here and going, okay, that's a little weird, and, and maybe it is. But what I found is uh, as I spend time praying and spend time asking God to, to give me a word to focus on, give me something to think about through the new year, uh, to focus on and kind of hone in uh, um, my focus and uh, if you remember last year, last year uh, the word that I chose or that I believe that God gave me was the word focus. Uh, in 2020, talking about focus, uh, God gave me plenty of opportunities to focus. Uh, I was able to slow down, focus on areas of my life that I knew God was working on and wanted to chisel away. And one of those areas, uh, and I've talked about this before as I've preached, but one of those areas that, that God was really chiseling away was about where do I find my identity? I was able to focus in and look and to figure out, do I find my identity in my work as a youth pastor? Because that's a struggle for me at times. But God made it very clear that I am not called to find my identity in my work. I'm not called to find it. But if I'm looking for my identity in anything other than him, I've actually misplaced it. It's in the wrong place. Because, now, don't get me wrong, my role as a pastor, it describes me, but it doesn't define me. Just like me as a father and as a husband, as a son, as a brother, all those things, they describe me, but they don't define me. Only God is the one who defines me. And that's what God has been working on in my life over this past year is really honed in on this idea that it is only God that defines me. And so my relationship with him is paramount. And being able to slow down because there isn't as many things going on or there aren't as many distractions has actually allowed me to, to develop this, this uh, deeper relationship with God of going, hey, am I enough for you? And so that's something that, that God has been working and, and just, you know, thinking about uh, as, as the word last or for this year was focus uh, and, and, and in that. And so that's a little bit of a review into what God is teaching me, I guess. That's not actually what we're, I'm going to preach on, but uh, there you go. Uh, so, but with that being said, the word, uh, as I spent time the, over the last couple weeks just really praying, going, okay, God, what, what is the word that you have for me? I was a little disturbed at the word that I felt like he was giving me. 
because the word that, that he kept bringing to my heart was actually radical. And if you remember, 2020, I prayed for focus, and <laughs> that worked. And so this word radical, this idea, I was like, I wrestled with God on this one, okay? Because like 2020, let's be honest, it's been a really hard year. And so actually, uh, you know, I was like, hey, God, I was hoping more for like, maybe the word could be comfortable or stable. I mean, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe like wealthy or ruggedly handsome. I mean, I'm good with those too. And so I wrestled with God. I wrestled with him, and he kept bringing back this idea of radical. And radical is a word that I think can carry many different meanings. Oftentimes it has these meanings. And I realized that when you look at it from the noun, okay, radical as a noun means someone that follows a strict adherence to a fundamental belief. But radical as an adjective is a radical difference, a thorough or extreme difference, especially in regards to change from the accepted or traditional views. So a radical is someone who holds to a foundational belief and at times is at odds with the accepted views of culture and traditions. And so as I'm looking at this, I'm going, okay, God, what, what is it about this idea of radical? Like, what, what's, what's going on here? And I began to ask the question as I studied in. I was asking the question, okay, so, so as Christians, should we be radical? Should we be radical? And as I wrestled through that, I was like, okay, it depends on what our foundation is. Do you hear me? It depends on what our foundation is. The word radical actually comes out of the Latin word radix, which means root. And this idea of a root, it's actually a horticulture term to meaning like anything that's growing out from the root is considered like a radical tubular or a radical root that's coming out. And so it needs to be out of this foundational uh, piece. And I, I read that and I was going, okay, so, so being radical depends on where that foundation is, where, where that foundation is coming from. And so the question as I'm wrestling with this going, okay, radical, God, why are you giving me this word? Should Christians even be radical? And I believe the answer is yes. We should be radical as long as our foundation is in the correct place. And I believe that foundation needs to be God. Now, you might be going, okay, uh, it's a little weird. Radical is a word that carries a lot of different connotations. But I want to make this argument to you is that I believe Jesus was actually radical. Jesus was a radical. Now, it needs to be said, it needs to be clearly stated that Jesus was not radical in the sense that he used uh, violence or he used uh, persecution or anything like that to coerce people or, or to force people into believing certain things. But make no mistake, Jesus was in fact radical. He called people to turn the other cheek when they're mistreated or when people hurt them. He said things like, blessed are the poor. Jesus' radical call is on full display in the Beatitudes. We did a series over the summer called Hashtag Blessed where we went through the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And he said things like, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the peacemakers. And if you read throughout the Gospels, we see a God, Jesus, who is radical. He's going against the accepted views or the cultural norms at the time. Actually, as a matter of fact, that's what actually got Jesus killed was because he was considered a radical. Jesus was a radical. And one of potentially the most radical things that Jesus calls to is a call to follow him. Our call as Christians to become a follower of Jesus is, in fact, a radical call. To follow Jesus is radical. And unfortunately, all too often in the church today, I feel like we have, uh, we've kind of downplayed this call of radicalness. 
because it doesn't sit well all the time. And of course, you know, it's National Youth Pastor Preaching Day, so then I was like, I figured I can get in here and do a word like radical because I'm just the youth pastor. So if you get upset, bhall at edinburghchurch.com.org. So. But as Christians, the call to follow Jesus is a call to a radical lifestyle. We've relegated the Christian life down to just this nice garnishment on a comfy life. And I don't believe, as I've read Scripture, as I've looked into Scripture, that that is what we're called to. But we're called to a radicalness, an idea that when people look at it and go, this is a little bit different, this is a little weird. But we're saying, no, it's because Jesus, listen to this, this comes from Matthew 16. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's setting it up here, and he's telling his disciples, like, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die. Talk about a radical thing. Someone who would never sinned. He's going to die, or he's going to go to the cross. He's going to die, and he's going to rise again. He's telling his disciples this, right? He says this, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would raise from the dead. I love this. Sometimes I resonate with Peter. Like where you put your foot in your mouth, that part, it resonate. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. I love that. Okay, disciple Peter, Jesus, hey, Jesus, just so you know, you're wrong. I know you're the whole son of God thing. But he began to reprimand Jesus to him saying, heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. And then Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get away from me, Satan. Sick burn. You are a dangerous trap to me. You see things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. How oftentimes do we see things merely from a human point of view and not from God's? Then Jesus said to his disciples, here's the radical call. If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Anything worth more than your eternity? For the Son of Man will come with the angels in the glory of the Father and will judge the people according to their deeds. I tell you the truth, some of you standing here right now will not die before you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That is a radical call. To give up your own way. To carry your cross and follow Jesus. This call, the call of being a Christ follower that we are called to is radical. Jesus lived a radical life. A life that was countercultural, A life that actually got him killed because he went against the cultural norm. He went against the traditions and he said, let's go back to the foundation. And the foundation is God. That radical call, he came, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and he rose again. And he calls us to follow him. To give up our life. He paid the price that we couldn't pay to save our souls. And in return we say, God, take everything that I am. I want you to have all of me. Galatians 2.20 is my life verse that I I have memorized and I've taken uh, to heart. And, And I don't live it out perfectly, but it's the verse that I always try to live out in my life. And it says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body because we don't just except Christ and zap, go to heaven. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see it? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
So if we want to be Christ followers, we're called to a radical life. A life that is countercultural, that goes against our, uh, you know, our own nature of self-preservation and me, 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 and get what I need. But saying it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's when we radically surrender. It's when we radically surrender that we find truly how to live. We as Christians are called to radically surrender to Jesus Christ because he gave everything for us, for you and for me so that we can be in relationship with him, so that we can have life. And he calls us to turn around and to live for him. Jesus, I, I don't, I'm going to say it. Jesus didn't come to this earth to die on this cross to make our life comfortable. That we could just kind of breeze our way into heaven. No, he called us to action. He called us to this radical life. And all too often, I believe the idolatry we have in the church today is the idol of comfort. That we're just okay with just being okay. But God is calling us to so much more. He has so much more in our life. And he's calling us to radically surrender and say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live it for the one who gave himself for me. That's radical. But what if, what if it's uncomfortable? What if it's hard? It's not my life. My life has been bought by the blood of Jesus. I know that's a weird statement, but it means he gave his life for you. And we're called to live a life of radical surrender. But that call of radical surrender, it can be daunting. Actually, that call of radical surrender is what causes a lot of people to walk away from Jesus. Jesus even says, like, there's going to be people. There's a, there's a passage in Matthew where he says all these things, and people are like, that's really hard. And they walk away. And he turns to his disciples, and he's like, are you going to leave me too? And they say, where else are we going to go? You alone are the one who holds the words of life, the truth of life. It's a daunting task to live radically surrendered. But I have some good news. We are not expected to live a radical life on our own. As a matter of fact, I don't think you can live a radical life on your own. Because if it isn't rooted in Jesus, if it isn't rooted in the foundation of God, you're actually going to be living the wrong radical life. Maybe it's legalism. Maybe it's uh, you're, you're just completely off from the gospel. Maybe it's a life of self-indulgence or self-pleasuring uh, or whatever it is. We cannot live a life of radical surrender on our own. We also need to live a life of radical dependence. As we live in radical surrender and we say, I know that I cannot do it on my own. I need to depend on God. I need to live a life of radical dependence on the one who gave himself for me. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit and he prunes the branches so that they the, to, or that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see it? Do you see the call to radical dependence? 
Apart from being connected to Jesus, we can do nothing. You cannot and you will not live a radical life for Jesus if we are not connected to Jesus. When Jesus left this earth, when he came, he died, he rose again, and then he was here for about 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven, and he gave, he said, I'm, it's better for me to go because I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so that you can always have the Spirit of God within you to be able to live out this radical life. So through radical dependence on the Holy Spirit, we can connect with God. That's why we as pastors, we beg you to be in the Word, to read the Bible, to know the words of God because it is the truth, to connect with God through worship, to connect in community with other believers, to spend time praying because we know that this verse is in the Bible. Remain in me and I will remain in you. It's a call to radical surrender and radical dependence on God because you cannot and you will not ever be effective for God or live out the true calling if we're unwilling to live a radical surrendered and a radical dependent life on God. Holy Spirit, would you lead us into this place of radical surrender and radical dependence? This is a hard call. But God, this is the best call that you have called us to. Holy Spirit, would you fill this place? Would you prompt us? Would you move us into a place where we can know you and experience you. So what does a radical life of surrender and dependence look like? I'm glad you asked. You didn't, but I'm going to tell you anyways. John 14 paints this great picture of what radical surrender and radical dependence looks like. A life that's founded on radical surrender and radical dependence always leads to radical obedience. Radical obedience. John 14 says this, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. If you love me, obey my commandments. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. If we love God... It leads us into this place of obedience when we radically surrender and say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I know that I need the Holy Spirit to live within me so that I can love you and I can obey your commandments. And if you love me, obey my commandments. So then it leads us to the next question is, what are his commands? What does Jesus command of us? Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Say, love God with everything that you have. Love God with all of it. Your head, your heart, your mind, your body, everything needs to be for Jesus. A radical surrender of saying, it's no longer I who live, but Christ. It's you who lives in me. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based in these two commands. Jesus sums it up and he says, love God and love people. Love God and love people. We are called to love God with every ounce of our being to put him first. And then it says, secondly, the command is equally important to love our neighbor as ourself. When we radically surrender our whole life to Christ. And have radical dependence on the Holy Spirit. It leads us into radical obedience. And this love for God leads us to radical love for other people. Like the command says, to love our neighbor as ourself. So what does radical obedience look like? We love God more than anything by loving 
people in his name because people are made in the image of God, imago Dei. We can love God because we can't, we can't see God. Right? We can love God by, by spending time in his word and worship and we, can, we, we come together and we sing these songs. That's an act of loving God. But also God is saying, hey, these people that you're sitting next to, the person to your right, the person to your left, as you love them, what you're actually doing is you're loving God. And those people that you disagree with, when you love them, you're actually loving God. And those people that you're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to love them, you're actually loving God when you choose to love them. Choosing to love other people is saying, I'm going to love God by loving other people. So with our time left, too, I want to, I want to give you, uh, 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 not, we're not going to call it an exhaustive list, but an idea of maybe a prompting. Maybe God is, is working in your heart. Maybe he's already brought some things to your attention through the Holy Spirit, and he's going, hey, this is an area where I'd love to see you grow in, to take a step forward in. But maybe these are some of the things that, that we need to radically this year in 2021 step forward into or step into to say, God, I want to make you a priority in my life. I want to radically surrender to you and live a life of radical dependence and radical obedience. And obedience, maybe it looks like this. Maybe... This year in 2021, you need to radically pursue. Maybe you need to radically pursue. We can radically pursue God. We can commit to spending time learning about him, studying more about him, building our relationship with God. Radically pursuing God has to happen more than just one hour on a Sunday morning. Maybe you need to, to find someone in the church, someone that can, that can like read the Bible with you. Maybe you're a young Christian, or maybe you're just a young person in general, and you're going, I just, I don't, I don't fully understand this. I just need someone to walk alongside me, to disciple me, to read the Bible with me. Maybe you're someone sitting here, and you're going, I don't really know what my place is in this church. Maybe God is prompting you to ask one of the younger people and say, hey, would you be willing to, like, read the Bible with me once a week after COVID when we're allowed to meet? Just kidding, you can do it. I think the rules are one person. Maybe God is calling you to actively pursue another person to help them grow in their relationship. And in turn, you grow in your relationship with God and with that person. And you're fulfilling the greatest command. Maybe you need to radically pursue someone to help you grow in your relationship or to help them grow in your relationship. Maybe you need to radically pursue God. Maybe you need to make church more of a priority. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Maybe 2021, you're called to be radically hospitable or radically generous. In the early church, they had this spirit of welcoming. When people saw how the church loved each other, how they loved like, each other and how they loved other people, it was attractional. People were going, there's something weird but something different, and I, I kind of like what's going on here. And they would welcome people into the fold, and they would go out and they would serve each other, and they would serve others. And it was strange to people, but it was strangely attractional. What if Christians today, what if our church was defined by our hospitality? And I'm not talking about when they walk through the doors here for the two hours on Sunday. I'm talking about when they come in and you're like, hey, would you be willing to come over and have dinner at my house? That's hard. There's something about our culture, and I don't know if it's like, like a Minnesota thing or if it's an American thing or whatever, but our houses have become our fortresses when in reality, what if our houses were actually hospitals where we brought in hurting people? We brought in people and said, hey, like, would you be willing to come and sit at my dinner table and, and we can talk and we can, we can build a relationship? Then I can share Jesus with you. I can love you well. What if Christians today were defined by our hospitality? 
There's a, 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 a phrase, and I don't know where I heard it, and I didn't make it up, but I heard it somewhere. But it's, see a need, fill a need. What if that was your mantra in 2021? Because it could be overwhelming to be like, I got to have a huge dinner party? Like, what? I'm not, just for the record, I'm not hosting a dinner party anytime soon because you don't want E. coli. So just saying, right? But when I see a need, I can fill a need. When you're walking in the Target parking lot and someone drops something, see a need, fill a need. We can begin to practice hospitality in those small little steps of going, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going, to, I'm going to take a step forward here in this way. Maybe I wouldn't normally do it because, or maybe you're just so focused on moving forward that you don't take time to look around. See a need, fill a need. What if this was how people described Edinburgh Church, the church here in America, Romans 12, 9 through 13. Do not pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Maybe we need to be radically hospitable. Third is radically unified. I'm going to go there. Throughout the New Testament, Christians are constantly called to unity. It's a theme throughout the New Testament. It's a call to unity, to be of one mind. And listen, there are going to be things that we disagree on. We have Packer fans here. They're wrong. We know. But... Because of Jesus, because of Christ, because of what he did on the cross, we can come together and we have things in common. We could disagree on things and we could be be on completely different spectrums and go, you know what, we still have things in common because we have Jesus. Jesus is our unifying factor. There are people all around the world right now, Sunday morning, that are worshiping God in different languages, in different tongues, in different cultures, in different ways. And you know what? They are our brothers and our sisters because of who Christ is. Our church, we're called to unity. To live in unity with one another. And even when we disagree, what if we chose to radically say, you know what? I'm not going to let this disagreement become a division. The church is divided enough as it is today. We don't need more disagreements to divide us and to pull us apart. We need to be brought together in unity, not, not, in, not, be, not like because we can just like muscle it ourselves, but because we've radically surrendered to Jesus. We said it's you who lives, and we're radically dependent on the Holy Spirit, and we can say, you know what? We can come together under the banner of Christ, of who Jesus is. We could be united as a church. Maybe you need to be radically forgiving. Maybe someone has wronged you. Christ calls us to be radically forgiving because he has forgiven us much. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Just for the record, that one wasn't for you. That was for me. I was preaching myself there. I need to be more radically forgiving of the people who have hurt me. Maybe you can relate. Okay, how about this one? Radically bold. 
radically bold. There was a mark in the early church in Israel. They lived with radical boldness. They had this confidence in who Jesus was and what he did, that he died on the cross, he rose again. They had this confidence, and they didn't care who knew that they loved Jesus. And they didn't care who they told. They told everybody that they possibly could about who Jesus was, even to the point where they were being told by the government officials, you can't do that. Don't do that. And they would beat them or they would whip them, and they would be like, don't do that. And they're like, how can we not? We have to do it. Because there was this radical boldness that they had. In Acts 4, 12 through 13, it says this, There is salvation in no one else. Talking about Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw what? The boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They boldly proclaimed no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. John, for John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. These followers of Jesus had boldness. They weren't worried about who knew that they, had, that they loved Jesus. Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. As Christians, we are called to radically proclaim the gospel of Jesus. It is our greatest calling as Christians. It's, it's to proclaim the gospel and the message of Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. He died. He rose again for our sins. And so if we put our trust in him, we can have salvation. We can know him. We can live for him. I would argue that our willingness to share, to radically share our faith is actually one of the greatest indicators of our radical obedience. Because if you believe it, you're going to tell people about it. Last year, Actually, 2020, I don't know, it feels like I've lived 14 years in the last year. Uh, a while back, we took a, a group of our high school students to Rosedale Mall, and we had been talking about, in one of our uh, discipleship groups, we'd been talking about uh, um, how to share your faith and why we should share our faith. And so we went to Rosedale Mall, and we walked around the mall on one night, and we, we were, basically we had trained the students how to go share their faith, and they walked around the mall and began praying with people and sharing Jesus with people around the mall. And uh, as I was walking around, I had sent the students out, and I thought to myself, it would be really easy for me to just, like, use the excuse, oh, I'm just, i got to check on the students. I gotta, I'm, I'm overseeing this. But God was like, no, 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 no. The last three weeks we've been talking about sharing our faith. Shut up and go share your faith. He didn't say shut up. He might have. But go share your faith. And as I was walking, I, I locked eyes. That sounds weird. I saw this guy, and I was like, oh, man, I have seen this guy before. I know this guy. And so I went up, and I introduced myself and said, hey, I'm Tyler. And he's like, hey, I'm Jay. Uh, and I was like, this sounds weird, but I, I feel like I know you. And he's like, yeah, you look super familiar too. And then we found out that we actually go to the same caribou coffee oftentimes, back when you were allowed to sit inside there. Uh, we, we, we go there, and so we, we made this connection. He lives here in Brooklyn Park, and, and he's like, what are you doing out here in Rosedale? Uh, he was with his wife and his kid, and, and I was like, well, we're actually out here with my students, and we're just sharing Jesus with people. And he's like, oh, like, that's awesome. And I said, yeah, would you be willing to, to get together sometime and just chat? And so we exchanged numbers, found out we actually went to high school together. No idea. Champlain Park, right, big school. But, like, and so we started meeting, and it turns out I learned that Jay is actually a Muslim. 
and uh, a practicing Muslim. And so uh, oftentimes we get together around his prayer time or we'll be together and he'll quick pull off at his office and he'll go pray and things like that. But we've built up this relationship. We've begun talking and, and I've been, had the opportunity multiple times to share the gospel with him because of, of saying, okay, God, I'm going to step out and I'm going to say yes here in this way. But one of the things that was super profound, that's something that Jay told me uh, just a couple weeks ago as we were, we were getting together after I uh, so foolishly said, do you celebrate Christmas? Dumb question. I don't even right? He's like, you know the answer to that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I do. I'm an idiot. Right? But we're sitting here and he goes, you know what I appreciate about you? He goes, I actually believe you believe what you're saying because you're willing to talk to me. He said, I've never sat down with a Christian before. And in the last year, I've had opportunities because I simply said yes to Jesus to do something that was super uncomfortable to me, to share with Jay. And he goes, I know you're trying to convert me. And I was like, guilty. (laughs) He goes, I just want to know the truth. And if the truth is Jesus, then I want to follow Jesus. And I went, I didn't actually do that. That would be weird. But that's what my heart did. Because of a boldness of saying, yes, God. What if we lived radical boldness that we were ready to share our faith? 1 Peter 3. Now. Who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. Don't worry about being afraid of the, or don't don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship God. That's radical surrender. As Lord of your life, radical surrender, radical dependence. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, why you're a Christian, always be ready to explain it. But do this, this is important, but do this. In a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what, your good, or what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Because you are radically surrendered. Do it with gentleness and respect. We're called to live radically bold lives. Lastly, radically changed. Maybe you're sitting here. Maybe you're watching online. And you're hearing this for the first time. Or at least the first time you're going, hey, this kind of makes sense. And maybe you're like, man, I, just, I, just, I need a radical change. That's what Jesus is all about, is radically changing our life, flipping our life upside down and saying, hey, it's like come and live for me. Give your life to me so that I can show you what real life is. He takes our old lives and he makes them new. God wants to radically change your life through radical surrender and radical dependence, which leads to radical obedience. That's what God is calling us to. That's the life that God is calling us to, the radical life. And so I want to end with this, an application step. Because the radical life does not happen overnight. I believe a radical life starts with one radical step. And then the next day, another radical step. So in your handouts, maybe you grab them. If you didn't, you can write them in your notebook. Maybe you need to put it in your phone as a reminder or whatever. But... As we, we gather back together for worship and, and this next song, I love, I love this next song that Amanda showed me just the other day. And I said, can you play that this Sunday? It's called Obedience. And it talks about how our yes is our obedience. By saying yes. What is an area in your life that God is prompting you, that God is, 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 is leading you towards to say yes? What is that one radical step that he's saying, hey, you need to get more serious in this area? Hey, I need you to say yes in this area. Where in your life do you feel like God is asking you to take a step forward? Maybe it's taking a step 
uh, by spending time in the Bible every day. By doing that 40-day reading plan in Philippians. Or maybe it's getting on the YouVersion Bible app and doing a reading plan there. Maybe it's making church or a Christian community a priority. Maybe it's being more hospitable to invite people over to your house so that you can love your neighbors well. And maybe, who knows, invite them to church. Maybe it's being more forgiving. That's what's going on in mine. Maybe you need to share what Jesus means to you with that coworker that you know is struggling. It looks different for everybody. This is between you and God, the Holy Spirit, what he's leading you to. But I want you to write it down here or write it down somewhere because the list could go on and on and on. But I want you to encourage you to stop and say, God, okay, what do you have for me? And then write it down and then, ready, do it. One radical step. Step forward for Jesus to say, God, I, I, I need you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender my life. I'm going to say it's no longer I who live, but you who lives in me. I'm going to step out. I'm going to step forward, but I can't do it on my own. I need you, but I want to step out in obedience because you gave your life for me. Because you love me. This year, 2021, let's be more radical, more sold out for Jesus. And at the end of the year, when we look back, we can go, wow, God, what did you do? You are incredible. If we take and begin with one radical step forward, as we are radically surrendered, radically dependent on the Holy Spirit, and we walk in radical obedience and see what God will do. God, God, we need you. We cannot do this on our own. It has to be you. then you call us to obedience. God, may we be obedient. May we follow you. May our yes, maybe, maybe just on the note, we just need to write, say yes more. So that is our obedience. Because this life is not our own. It has been bought by you, what you did on the cross. God, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus. And that there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved except for Jesus. God, I pray for anybody in this room or anybody watching online that doesn't know you. God, that your Holy Spirit would reveal that they would reach out to someone, another believer, another uh, person that knows you or reach out to us here at the church. And God, that they would know you. God, help 2021 to be a radical year founded in you and only you. In your name we pray, amen.